Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me are my cohort, co-host, cousins, the men-at-arms, Orko, and the sorceress to my stinkor, Justin, Tyler, and Derek. We are recording this episode on April 19, 2017. So the big news coming out of Huskerland this weekend was the spring game, and it will take more than our meager powers to tackle this huge topic. Returning now to the CuzCast to help us review the spring game, 8laces.com's own Brandon Kavanaugh. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing very well. This was a very fun spring game, and I think really, guys, more than a scrimmage, this was a uh, a... a an offensive, more of an offensive showcase and a recruiting showcase with, I think, I believe 40 plus major recruits in, in town. Four commits came out of the weekend, two before the game was even played. And uh, four star wide receiver Manuel Allen, who was committed to the USC Trojans. And then, of course, the much beloved Bookie Radley Hiles, yes, uh, who was with Bishop Gorman, Calabasas, and is now with IMG Academy. So it was it was big. Um, it was fun watching the offense do what it did. You know, obviously we got to see Tanner Lee, who is, uh, as of today, named the starting quarterback heading into the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing Pat- Patrick O'Brien do a good job. I uh, got to see Tristan Jebbia do a, what, what I thought was a fantastic job and uh, got to see a little bit of Andrew Bunch as well. So overall, it was uh, it was very interesting. You know, it, it's a scrimmage. What you take away from it is, you know, you, you kind of got to take things with a, with a grain of salt. Uh, but there was some good stuff to see. And uh, and that's what we will. Um, yeah, we'll definitely, I guess be tearing apart. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely dig into it. Uh, well, let's start with the. Um, I guess the pass rush ratio, which was about 95-40 uh, in the spring game, um, it's something 95, that 95-40, uh, my word. Yeah, it was it was pretty in, it was pretty insane. Uh, but um, one thing that uh, Riley talked about was more emphasis on the run game. I'm hoping that's still the case, but uh, yeah. if it's not, uh, Brandon, do you think that will be this pass happy uh, in the fall, especially if maybe the offensive line doesn't gel quite the way we want it to? No, it's gonna. It's it's still going to be a, a run. I'm not gonna say. Well, how do I want to put this best? It's still going to be a balanced uh, offense, leaning towards. You know, you they have to establish the run. It's not going to be a one-dimensional pass-first, pass-happy kind of air raid offense. I know there's so many people out there that are afraid that that's what it's going to be. Not. Not at all what it's going to be. Um, now, while you can expect the starting running back or running backs, plural, um, to be to have good hands, to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield, you if you watched the spring game, you saw multiple screens and mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature and, you know, seams and, and curls and stuff like that. You're still going to see guys. You saw Trey Bryant, Mikhail Wilbon, Devino Zigbo, Wyatt Missouri, you, you saw all of those guys still get the opportunity to carry the football. And the run game was actually pretty good. I thought the offensive line played pretty well. I actually talked about it or asked about it, I guess, in the post, uh, post-game post press conference with Coach Riley. So, no, I don't think it's going to be pass-happy. I think it's going to probably be closer to a 55-45 to 45 or 60-40 to 40 run-pass ratio, I think, is what you, what you should look for. Um, but the good news here is that Nebraska now has quarterbacks that are able to, um, able, to, a, a, able to run an efficient 
passing offense. They're able to. Uh, well, that was the one thing, though. I was I was watching these guys, and and I said to myself, okay, you know, I'm I'm gonna watch how they felt in the pocket, how they stepped up, how they set. And it was interesting to me that Tanner didn't even need to step up. Sometimes he would just be able to stand in there, felt the rush, and just would flick a dart out of his uh, out of his hands. And uh, O'Brien was much the same way. They both, though, when when stepping up, they both did an excellent job. Uh, Jebbia even did a great job. But uh, yeah. to come back around to your original question, no, it's it's not going to be, you know, I it, it's not going to be 40, 50, 45, 50 passes a game on the regular. Uh, what I think is a happy number is around 30 to 35. Once you start getting towards that 40 to 45 range, that's a that's a red flag. That's that's a troubling area, and you're gonna set yourself up for a uh, that that's a trouble spot. You're gonna set yourself up for failure uh, rather than something positive more times than not in that situation. Uh, Do you guys have anything to uh, add to that? Um, any questions, Justin? Go ahead. No, I just think that uh, in the as far as the passing goes in the spring game, you know, we're kind of pass happy, but I think that that was there for. Uh, the recruits and the fans, just to entertain them. That's why we're seeing that. I think there's a lot of other factors that went into that. You know, the that they weren't going to put Trey Bryant and uh, uh, Will Bond through. You know, they weren't going to give them a lot of touches running the ball. But uh, mainly, I thought it was for the fans and recruits. You know, entertain them, bring up all that good environment, and then uh, you know, reward the players with you know a fun style, I guess. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be – well, in the 2017 season, I don't think it's going to be a pass happy like to that crazy not. show. I mean, Run the ball guy hated that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Derek. Well, you know, Brandon, I absolutely hope you're right that we're not going to be that pass happy. <clears throat> I found it interesting that we broke five records for a spring game and pass attempts by a single – by the one side, pass attempts by both teams – Pass completions by one side, passing yards by one side, and passing yards by both sides. But the one that stuck out to me the most was the, the, the attempts by both teams, where it was 95, and Callahan's highest was 76 in 2005. <clears throat> so I hope you're right in the fact that this was just for the fans and the recruits, and that we don't become this pass-happy team, because what this spring game looked to me was what I would imagine a Mike Leach style spring game. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing that you got to remember too is Nebraska has Stanley Morgan, DeMorty Personnel, and then a big question mark. So what they had to go out and see was okay, who's going to be the next guy to step up? And Keon Williams did a fantastic job making an argument for the slot position. Um, I believe he had. I want to say six catches for 67 yards. Did a really good job. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Brian Reimers did a good job. Gabe Braun had a couple of good snags. So basically, I think the prime position for this guy is if I – you guys made excellent points about the recruits and whatnot. But also, I think in terms of what the coaches and players wanted to take away from this, as far as the passing game went, um, I think a major element of that was trying to find the next guy's – uh, along the list, the next guys in the depth chart mm-hmm. behind or alongside Stanley and DeMornay, because when you get four wide or even, dare I say, five wide, you have to have the guys that you, you know, 
do you rely on the most? So you take this opportunity to find out who the who those guys you know are, or you know, going into the summer again, we have to remember that this is you know their only opportunity, their last opportunity of the spring to say, right. okay, what do we have you know to to study ad nauseum going into the summer? Right, Brandon, um, that's a great point. Uh, the the depth at wide receiver is we are very extremely young at wide receiver, so. You know, we, we, we got a lot of recruiting that needs to be done at the wide receiver spot because you're right after, you know, those first few spots, there's, there's nobody that screams out like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the guy. And that's, that's kind of concerning, you know, because a couple injuries, like what we saw last year, that could be devastating to this team in 2017. It could be, but I'll tell you what, I, I think it's very likely that Tyjon Lindsay, when he gets into town will snag one of those starting spots. I think it's just a matter of time personally, but this is why they're going out and talking to guys like, uh, Manuel Allen and Joshua Moore, um, who I believe is a Nebraska lean at this point in time, who would be a huge yeah. get Joshua, um, a teammate of bookies at IMG, um, originally from Yoakum, Texas, where his brother is uh, still at uh, safety, Jordan Moore. Uh, he's currently a commit to Texas A&M. However, the Huskers might have gotten uh, in it with him as I they, they might be a package deal. I haven't confirmed that yet, um, but I'm hearing talk of that. So when they go out and they say to uh, to to Joshua and to Manuel, yeah, you can come and start. And and Manuel, I believe, is six two. Jordan, I believe, is six one six two. So you've got these bigger bodied, um, fast wide receivers that are able to come in as true freshmen, make an impact, um, just like Tyjon Lindsay. And 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 Tyjon, I think, is going to be the the first opportunity for. Rather to go and say, okay, here's exhibit A. He is going to be exhibit A. So while you've got, you know, we talk about Stan, we talk about DPE, um, and we're going to see, like I say, we're going to see more of like Ken, uh, Keon in the slot and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, we are going to have to see guys like Brian Rimmer step up and Gabe Braun and, uh, and CJ Young and guys like that. So there are going to be some walk-ons like, uh, like the Nebraska trouted out last year. Uh, but at the same time, don't think for a moment that Tyjon Lindsay doesn't have his eyes on. Uh, and I'm going to go out on the limb and say, we'll probably snag a starting, uh, starting spot somewhere in that lineup. Brandon, did you say any kind of, yeah, go ahead, Derek. One other thing I found interesting was Tristan, Tristan Jibia, who's going to redshirt this year, as we all pretty much know. I mean, he's listed at 180, but it looks more like he's about 115 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and but he threw he threw the ball nine times more than our top two quarterbacks combined. That was that was just a little strange to me, I guess. Well, with Tristan, one thing that I do want to point out is while he is a likely Richard, that is true. They're going to treat him, and this is something that Coach Riley came out and talked about in the press conference. They're going to treat him in the same manner they did Patrick O'Brien last year. And what that means is they've got Tanner, they've got Patrick, and then they've got Tristan. Now, they also have Andrew Bunch. But um, at, from what I took away from what Coach Riley said is that Tristan right now is number three on that depth chart. So if anything were to happen to Lee, if anything were to happen to POB, heaven forbid. you know. Yeah, right. But if something, if something happened earlier in the season, then – 
there's the opportunity for that red shirt to be pulled. If it happens later in the season when pulling the red shirt, just it's, it's not beneficial to the team. It's not beneficial to Tristan. Um, then we'd be looking at a situation where maybe Andrew Bunch comes in, maybe they're back to Zach Darlington as a backup Ooh, quarterback. Gosh. Um, Talk about so, worst case scenario. Well, again, you know, you, the, what, and again, what Riley said is we're going to have a plan. So, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, when it comes down to quarterback depth, this is some of the best I've seen in a long time. And uh, while Andrew Bunch is not Tanner Lee, and I don't even think he's uh, Patrick O'Brien, really, right. I think he could efficiently move the offense as long as he had a uh, decently healthy offensive line in front of him and that there was a running game that gave him a little bit of opportunity to not be running just a, you know, a a pass oriented situation where they can just, you know, the opposition would just be able to bring, uh, you know, even a three man rush and get to him as we saw last year. Once, once it get, got pretty, uh, uh, got pretty dinged up later in the season. So, um, the other concern coming out of uh, the spring game, um, I guess, was if it was a fair representation of the team. Now, obviously, yeah, there's an exhibition kind of quality to it because the brunt of the practices are done. This is for the fans and everything. But, Derek, um, did you have any concerns regarding the lack of one versus ones in this spring game? Uh, I don't know if I have any concerns. I understand why they did it. You can't have guys getting hurt going one-on-ones, but the one bad thing about it is I think it makes it really so hard for the fans to read when you're playing your third string defense. I mean, we scored 55 points with the red, but with, with, with what I, in the defense, I mean, there was absolutely no pressure really on either side. They really didn't have any blitz packages. You're probably told to hold off, obviously, because no touch. Well, I, and I understand that, but it just really makes it hard to really gauge where we're at, I guess. Well, and one thing to remember is these guys, the guys who are actually running the practices, the guys who, you know, uh, who got to see everything when the, when the press didn't, they know where the team's at right now. And in terms of the defense, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because, you know, Bob Diaco came out and just kind of paraphrasing him. He said, look, if you're going to try to watch this, this, if you're going to try to, you know, copy down some film and figure out what we're going to be doing on defense, you're going to be wasting a lot of film. And I didn't exactly know what he meant by that. I thought maybe he'd be running just a really vanilla three, four, because what he ran Mm -hmm. at UConn and what he ran at Notre Dame were not the same thing. You know, a lot of people were saying, uh, well, you know, they could just look at what he ran Notre Dame or UConn and, and go off of that. No, it's not the same thing. But one thing that, that a number of people, including myself, um, had, had either uh, no idea about or had forgotten more so the previous the the former than the latter is that Diaco actually learned about the four two five before he, he incorporated <laughs> the three four. So I'm watching this. I'm like, why why is the four two five out there? So um, yeah, he and I you know I I really have to applaud him for that because it's basically that. That move right there is so very much a Diaco move because he basically goes out and says, no, we're not going to show you literally an ounce of our defense. What are you going to do about it? Do you also see that? 
you also see that as a sign of confidence from Riley and Diaco that, hey, these guys have got it down for what we want from them for the spring. So, you know, you'll see it when you're ready to see it. And until then, you're not going to get a glimpse. Absolutely, because actually, right, this is something else that Riley touched on. Um, he said that Bob came out and he said, uh, I, you know, I want to do this. And Riley didn't have any problem with saying, okay, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. So um, Coach Riley was very comfortable with that. Um, and that's, you know, that's what Diaco wanted to do. And I, I think, honestly, that Riley has all the trust in the world in what, in what Diaco can do. Um, I, I really like his style. I like his coaching style. I like the way he's meshing with, uh, with these guys. I was kind of, to be honest, I was, I was, I don't know if concerned is the way I want. I, I just didn't know how everybody would mesh sure. when Diaco came in. Cause he is a, he is a very, he, he, I, I, I call his, uh, his conferences audible Red Bull. Um, <laughs> he is, he, he really fires you up even if you're just asking questions. Um, so I didn't know, but everybody just loves him because apparently he goes out and practices and just has fun and, you know, will just like do up downs out of nowhere. And he, <laughs> he's a fun guy. He's, he's fired up and he's a, he's a great teacher. And one thing that I saw when I was watching him and, you know, whenever I went to practice, I would always make sure to go watch like Keith Williams is always fun to watch. And, um, but I started watching coach Diaco a little bit and he never, never was there a dull moment where he was not teaching. He was always, it's like the, the Mm -hmm. nearest guy to him, even if he wasn't part of the play would get something. And that that's, I mean, that's incredible. That that's something that's, that's priceless. He's making what? $800,000 or something like that. That's worth every penny. You can't, uh, (laughs) you, you, you truly can't, by that sort of enthusiasm. Well, I guess you can technically because that's what happened. But. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I think that a fired up coach translates into a fired up defense. Yeah. It I is mean, really taking on the, um, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but real quick. No, you're fine. Um, it's just really taking on the personality of their coach. And if that's the situation, guys, I think, I think that the black shirts this year are going to remind people of, I'm not going to say they're going to be as good, but work with me on this, you know, 2009, 2010 to the nineties black shirts. They're going to have fun. They're going to hit. They're going to they're going to bring blitzes, and they're going to have fun with it. And I think that's important. When you're on defense, you have to have fun with it, rather, or you're going to start second guessing yourself. You're going to start slipping into a mentality of, um, uh, you know, of guessing too much, and then you end up, you know, uh, missing assignments. And right, right. Well, we saw what happened with that uh, against Iowa. So, well, what strikes me and what they're shooting for here. Is and I think even Riley mentioned this is that the dynamic is very familiar to a lot of Nebraska fans in that you had the calming presence of Riley and the fiery intensity of Diaco, similar to Osborne and McBride. Do you sense that they're trying for that same kind of chemistry, that same kind of dynamic for the coaching staff? It's interesting that you point that out because that's if you look 
at the offense. Let's go down. Let's go down the coaching staff real quick. Uh-huh. If you look at the offensive side, you got Danny Lingsdorf, who's a really chill guy. He's very much. Um, he's kind of like Diaco, but toned down. He's very much a, you know, okay, you made a mistake. Here's what happened. Here, and and the dude knows quarterbacking like his back of his hand. Um, when you look at Reggie Davis, Reggie is pretty even keel. Mm-hmm. If you look at, we, we all know Keith Williams. We can just move past Dub because we all know <laughs> what we're getting there. Um, Tavita Thompson does a great job with the tight ends. He's, again, kind of a low-key low guy, but he, he does what he needs to do. Uh, Mike Cavanaugh is a guy, old-school tight, tight end, excuse me, old-school offensive line coach. Think of, you know, 1990s uh, high school uh, offensive line coach that got his guys to state every single year. This is the kind of guy that, I mean, this guy's like, he makes me feel tall or even feel and look tall. And he's got these huge, you know, David Neville, six foot seven uh, offensive tackles, you know, like, oh gosh, you know, I did something. Here comes Coach Cav. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, Whereas on the offensive side, it's a little more chill. Right. Um, you've got Diaco kind of at the head of that totem pole. And then you've got um, Deontay Williams, who is kind of a uh, – who's kind of like Dub, but is a little more of a – I'll say aggressive. Mm-hmm. A little more aggressive. Um, and then you've got Trent Bray, who's a little more even keel. Uh, mm-hmm. John Perella is, I would say, is a little more up-tempo. And then Bob Elliott is kind of like the calming – attitude he's still he's more cerebral um, he's more cerebral and he will still kill a few angels when necessary but um (laughs) (laughs) but uh now overall yeah overall the defensive side is a little bit more aggressive and i think you're going to see that as a result i'm not saying you know you're you're going to see grant wistrom and and jason peter and and carlos and whatnot reborn but um the three four is a defense that allows linebackers to have so much fun it's a de- it's a defense that allows the front seven to have such a great time, and this secondary I'm really looking forward to um, not only having uh, Josh Kalu back at the safety spot now, but having Lamar Jackson out there, and then uh, seeing Elijah Blades come this fall and see what he can put in. Uh, also, DiCaprio Boodle's a name I'm going to throw out there too as a guy uh, who may get the opportunity to do some good stuff this fall. Uh, Tyler, you had some concerns regarding the secondary. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so, you know, and, and Lamar Jackson, I know what he was coming out of high school, and obviously I haven't had the luxury of watching him every day in practice, but from what I saw from him last year and the little bit I saw him in the spring game, you know, I know he's a great athlete, um, you know, that's evident, but, you know, there's concern, with, you know, there was a couple plays in the spring game, you know, when he had to make a tackle and didn't do it, and last year, you know, he, his instincts on the field didn't look you know, the greatest, and I know he's a true freshman, so there's a, you know, obviously there's a grain of sand. So, but my concern is, is are we better in a base defense with Lamar Jackson on the field as opposed to like Kyrion Williams or Reed from last year? Because I saw what those guys did, and, and while they don't have the athleticism, I, I think, you know, naturally football wise, they looked a little bit more as an asset as a base defense. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are you know, with Kalu at safety, what, what that's going to do to our rotation. Well, and ultimately one thing that needs to be remembered is that Diago wants to get, obviously, and this, this is kind of dub, but obviously Diago and he's come out and said, want to get the best four guys on the field when it comes to the secondary. Lamar Jackson is 
a very special athlete in that he's, I believe, six foot three, and he moves a lot like a cornerback rather than say a safety. A lot of people say, "Oh, he's six foot three, put him back at safety." He moves so well, it's like a cornerback. And Diaco has come out and said as much. He absolutely loves the guy, you know, specifically for what he can do. Now, again, you're right uh, that that first year last year it was. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. And it is not not easy unless you you know your Honey Badger 2.0 bookie um, to be able to come out and and do that kind of thing. You know, I and I honestly, real real quick, uh, I expect Radley Hiles to come in, and I do expect him to make make a dent early. But that's that's a topic for way down the road. <laughs> um, but as far as Lamar, um, I I think we've just seen a year where he was just brand new to number one he was brand new to college in general um and now he's picking up a um a new set of calls that he didn't he wasn't even working with a year ago so you've got to remember that he's working with you know he's working with dante williams when he was working with uh, he was working with a completely different coach. He's he's working under um, Diaco's defense as a whole. So I wouldn't worry that much about what you saw in the spring game because a, a lot of people were whiffing. Um, ultimately, I think the one person you could say I had a really good day was Luke Gifford, who yes. has really yeah, uh, made me eat my words as far as what he's been able to do. He did a fantastic job. Uh, Luke kind of reminded me uh, as an aside, he kind of reminded me as one of those guys that you'd see playing for Wisconsin, and he, he was just this <laughs> no-name linebacker who would just absolutely tear into the op- the opposition and would. And I don't think Nebraska has a guy like like Wisconsin, you know, would have. Let's say for next year, who's got you know uh, double-digit sacks in the the back four, but he's a guy that I could see going out having eight, nine. And, and really causing some trouble. So um, oh, wow. as far as Lamar goes, you know, back to that question, I, I think I'm really going to have to defer back to Diaco for the time being and okay. uh, see, what, uh, see what a summer of strength conditioning and nutrition does for him. And we'll see where he's at in the fall. And if he can make, uh, if he can make a, a grand leap, I mean, the guy's already got a, uh, a good build. He's, a, you know, he's already – well put together. He doesn't really have that much fat to him. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can see, I think we'll see something. Um, I, like I think we'll see something much, much Bando more. Or, uh, Bando or better. If Josh Banderas. Yeah. Um, like better than Bando or in terms of like, a, in terms a, of a, like, you know, being a playmaker, being a, you know, difference maker out in the field. I would say if they're if they're gonna if Diaco feels good enough to move Kalu back to safety and put him across from Chris Jones, I think you're gonna see a significant enough point of reference that you say, Oh wow. You know, look at what he was able to accomplish. But of course right now, kind of pure speculation coming off the spring. Sure. Derek, you had a question? So Yeah, so so you bring up Luke Gifford, who was probably besides Wyatt Mazur for me, probably one of my biggest takes on the spring game like I, he looked really good I thought so he's in a battle with Marcus Newby for that outside linebacker spot do you do you think is this just a good game for Gifford or did he do this all all spring and do you think he can overtake that spot from Marcus Newby because Marcus Newby's never I've never been a big fan of him I don't think 
I think he's a very talented guy, but he's never been one of my favorite players. I, and this Gifford, I really, after seeing that spring game, I'm really excited to see him play. Gifford has really come along. He was a guy that, you know, about a year ago I felt was maybe a step slow. You know, it's not that he didn't, it's not that he wasn't in the right place at the right time. He was just there a little too slow. You know, it just took a little bit too much time. He seems to have completely eliminated that from from his repertoire and and has really come into his own in this in this uh, defense. And even when they weren't running the three four in the spring game, maybe it's just Diaco has truly, you know, th- there there are aspects mentally to everybody's game that can hold them back. We look at Mikhail Wilbon. Yeah. Holy heck. Now we're at a point where I dare say he's potentially tied for the number one spot at running back right now. Um, I would say we could be looking at whichever, uh, whichever guy between he and Bryant catches the ball better, depending on who's catching screens. Now, I personally think that they're both going to be used because Trey, I see is the better overall running back. Mikhail, I see is very dangerous out of the backfield, whether it's a flare screen or a curl or whatever you want to run. But I mean, especially when you have them both back there, if you have, if like, let's say you have both Mikhail and Trey back there with Tanner and the snot gun and the snot gun and the <laughs> shotgun. That's, Oh, I, I, the nose. I, I, yeah, the nose. I've I've let drip the, one of the, the jokes uh, are coming for weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I've let slip one of the new formations that we saw in practice. Running <laughs> nose, running nose, set, hot, yeah. hot. You put snot on the ball. <laughs> anyway, um, no. If he's back in the shotgun set with those two, a lot can be done with that. And we yeah. saw uh, some read option. Holy heck! Yeah. From yeah. Tristan Jebbia. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a guy that, too. That, <laughs> he that, ran it that, in. That was, I mean, that was impressive. Yeah. That's something too that I think people need to take stock in. You were, you know, kind of going back to that is it going to be a pass first mentality? No. Because these guys are not the statues that I think a lot of people anticipated them to be. They can move. Now, am I saying that you should expect them to be used in the same manner that Tommy Armstrong was? Absolutely not. But at the same time, if the pocket breaks down and there's 10 yards in front of them, they can pick – right. Not only will they go, but they know they can pick it up and slide and get a first down. Okay. Or they can get out of bounds. You know what I'm saying. Sure, I hear you. Where do you think um, Missouri would fit into this, though? Because it already sounds like it's going to be packed, and it sounds like Missouri probably is going to do, like, kickoffs. But can you see him also being used for uh, specific gadget plays, kind of like Stanford did for the McCaffrey, where he's um, a It's a very player? good question, and it's interesting that you asked that. Um, this was something that Riley also um, addressed. Wyatt was actually basically – he he was in the mix uh, last year, but he got injured. If he wouldn't have been injured, we may be talking about uh, Wyatt in the mix, you know, as one of the top three running backs. And he may still be in that area. I don't know if I, I think, yeah, we could be talking about um, using him. Uh, you know, Nebraska using him as kind of that, that Christian McCaffrey, but you know, he, he's compared a lot to Danny Woodhead and I don't think that's yeah. a fair comparison. You don't, you don't, you don't make a comparison 
and a guy like like Woodhead, you know, to to a, a guy well, like to be White, fair, Ryan made away. the comparison first. <laughs> he did, he did. Um, but I I think what he was saying is he's that type of jitterbug speed back. Mm-hmm. And I I really like the guy. I really like what I saw out of him. And now you guys know why I liked what I saw out of <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, Absolutely. Matter of fact. It, 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 I did a fantasy draft and uh, I took my running backs uh, later in the draft and, and my two running backs were Divina Zigbo and Wyatt Mazur. Um, and now you, you see why he is just, he, he was not taken down by a single tackle. You have to gang tackle him or he's not going down. Um, and I think that's just, I, I, I think, I don't think we've seen the last of Wyatt Mazur. Derek, it, it was very, it was very impressive to me that with just one more carry than the two leaders of the running backs, he led the team in the with the Reds with 57 yards, 14.2 yards per carry, and he also had the longest run of the day at 29 yards. Yeah. He's an impressive guy, and he, he's been fun to watch all spring. Um, he was a name that I was told to look out for, you know, very early on. And he has lived up to that hype in in terms of practice. You know, obviously, you guys saw him in the spring game along with perennial uh, spring game favorite Austin Rose. Sure. But I think, <laughs> unlike Austin, bless his heart, um, unlike Austin, I think we see Wyatt stick around a little bit longer, and and maybe he is, maybe he is part of this uh, very potentially exciting offense come 2017, uh, the regular season. What what strikes me is that I don't now you said Will Bond will probably be the starter, but I don't see him as a home run hitter. But no, 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 that's not, that's not that's not necessarily what I said. Okay, I said sorry. I said let me <laughs> I said I think that right now if 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 I had to make a guess, um, I would say Trey and Mikhail are kind of one A and one B. Okay. Um, I, I feel that there are things that Mikhail I, I feel Mikhail may be the better receiver, but I feel that Trey may be the better overall running back. Yeah, he's got the he's got the speed factor. He's got a good yeah, burst. And and you guys saw last year from him returning kickoffs. Mm-hmm. And there was that mm-hmm. one, I forget who he was running against, I think it was a night game. He just had an absolute, you know, like had a rocket up his butt kind of just absolutely zoom from one side of the field to the other. Um, but he's, he's got that, that ability. Um, and with the decent, decent offensive line in front of him, uh, he's not necessarily an elite back, but he's an above average back. So I could see him doing quality things. And, uh, Will Bond is a guy that I think will get, it's not so much guys about carries. This offense isn't really so much about carries. And I think that'll confuse a lot of people at first. Hmm. It's about, it's about touches. Okay. It's about who is going to get the ball in their hands at all. Um, in any capacity, are you, going to, you know, receiving any capacity, or handoff. Yeah. Is it is it going to be is it going to be a handoff? Maybe. Uh, is it going to be a you know a screen? Is it going to be um, a draw? Is it going to be uh, an end around? You know, whoever you know, however you want to get the ball into somebody's hands, passing or uh, via handoff. Yeah, it's going to be more about touch, touches. I, I remember you talking once, Derek, about how you were concerned about, you know, about the lack of a, a thousand-yard rusher. I think in this offense, wouldn't you argue, Brandon, that that's really not necessary? I mean, it's just it's a, not. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not necessary, but also, guys, you got to remember Jacquez Rogers, Stephen Jackson. Does anybody remember those guys? Yep. Oregon State under Riley. Anybody remember those guys? And it's interesting. Uh, Mike Riley actually has. I forget if he said they were just numbers up on a dry erase board or it was something like that. But it was an amazing. Uh, I, th- I think it was like fourteen thousand some odd. And people, somebody asked him, "What the heck is that?" And he said. That is like the number of yards that are that that my my four highest um, or my four best rushers had at Oregon State. So this is not this is not an offense that lends itself to simply passing the ball. It it lends itself to really really setting setting up the entire buffet shall we say sure. by um by making sure there's a good running game there because really without the without being able to without being able to impose your will via the running game or or at all you're not going to win the ball game sure it's great when you're able to have pass protection but that's that's a different animal than blocking for a running play mm-hmm. so if you're able to if you're able to get up five yards of field as a lineman and able to make that amount of room for your running back, where at that point he should be able to break through and gain yards on his own. If you're five yards up field with your man, then you're sitting in a position where this offense can go pretty much anywhere it wants to go. Do you want to go um, read option even? Sure. Do you want to go, two three back set do you want to go <laughs> for example Marilyn Nye do you you know <laughs> get crazy get you know get goofy and that's just the thing is there's so much that this offense you can call it whatever you want call sure. it multiple. I don't care I call it call, call it multiple call it the west coast call it whatever whatever you know fruits your loop as they say on the on the uh, <laughs> uh serial commercials um whatever does it for you this uh, this offense is I people call it multiple. I call it entertaining. This is the kind of thing. <laughs> multiply entertaining. I'll, multiply I'll entertaining. Multiply entertaining. It is the A, B, C, and D. It is the multiple choice of offenses. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, um, we also, I guess, uh, really cleaned up in our. Uh, had a lot of visitors and a lot of happy faces in those visitors. Um, uh, Tyler, what stuck out to you as far as uh, the gets we got or the potential gets yeah, I, we might get? Well, you, you know, I, but it starts with Bookie. You know, Brandon, I am definitely not the recruiting expert you are, but I, I, I make a part-time job out of following it. But, you know, Bookie, from what I've seen of him, from what I've seen of the character, listening to him in the interviews, I, I you know, not to be that typical fanboy that gets overly excited, but I don't know if a recruit has got me this excited, um, you know, and forever, you know, I, I, I was telling the guys after we got him and, you know, Darnay Holmes obviously was a big hit next year, last year, but I, I like bookie as a better corner for what I've seen out of him coming out of high school. He had more interceptions last year than Darnay did. Um, you know, he was a good receiver for Calabasas and, and getting that in with IMG, it is such a huge get. I mean, of the state of Florida, they have four of the top 10 prospects, 11 of the top 50. And you mentioned Joshua Moore, and you might have more insight than I do, but it seems like, 
you know, that's a kid that's really, really leaning towards us. He, you know, he made a tweet tonight about, you know, I'm a gorilla. And, you know, that was preceded by Husker Nation uh, to be very, very uh, Keith Williams friendly. Um, but I mean, but you look at Houston Griffin from ING. Um, I mean, th- there's a few kids from that school that we're in with. And, you know, I'm kind of hoping we get a Calabasas thing from ING this year and continue that in in the future. So, I don't. I don't know if there's any other names from you know besides the few that we got committed that you kind of got the buzz that there definitely leans for Nebraska. The thing about Bookie guys is he strikes me as this year's Keyshawn Junior. Keyshawn Junior is really where this recruiting momentum started. He is, and I will continue to say he could never play a down for Nebraska. And he would still be one of the greatest things that has happened to the program in quite some time. He made, he helped to make Nebraska cool again. He helped make Nebraska, as the kids are saying these days, quote unquote, lit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for using that one and not ratchet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, definitely lit. Okay, lit to the max, totally rad, as they say back in my day. Um, but no, Bookie, here's the thing about Bookie. Bookie this year, it's not that, it's not that kids didn't know uh, Keyshawn because they, they did and they do. But athletes, um, recruits know Bookie. They, they, everybody knows him. And when Bookie says, comes out and says, you know, honestly, I've been committed to these guys for a year. You know, he had a great bond with not only Mike Riley, but D. Riley, the Rileys. Um, <laughs> he had a great bond with the late great Mel Teniper, oh, wow. who, who I think we can all say was probably smiling down when that, uh, when that tweet went out. I'll bet. Um, he is not only an excellent athlete, I think more importantly, he is an excellent human being and young man of character that I believe will represent the university well as a young man. So not only, I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy I don't think you have to worry about getting into trouble, causing, you know, causing any bad headlines, causing mischief or anything like that. He's a legit guy that you look at and say, that dude's a leader. And he is going to go out and peer recruit and say, look, he, he will, preach what Riley preaches. The word of Mike Riley will be going on and, and through, through the word of, of Bookie Radley Hiles, um, go out to the best of the best that are out there. And I'm not saying that TJ Pledger is going to say, well, maybe Oklahoma, you know, push that out of the way, but you know, we can always, one, but God one will it. One God will it. To that. One, one can always hope as, as I say, it's never over until signing day. As one Keith Williams said last year about January. Um, but in terms of recruiting you guys, um, I will say that Nebraska Nebraska right now has, depending on who you talk to, roughly, if you cram it all together, mm-hmm. you divide it up, roughly has the number 10, t- number 10 recruiting class in the country as of today, as of April 19th. 
and they even have a, they even have a commit for 2019. Now I know you can take those commits with a grain of salt. Absolutely, sure, and, sure. and I honestly I recommend that you do. But still, the fact that it went down is huge. And this was interesting too. Um, Nebraska went out and offered uh, Tate Wildeman, six foot six, two hundred forty five pound guy out of out of um, Colorado defensive end. They offered him about three days before he committed, and he committed this past weekend. Um, so they're going on. They're being very aggressive. These are the kind of guys that, that you know, Bob Diaco's going out and selling his vision, too. Mm-hmm. So this is going very well. well. You're seeing guys like... Uh, as far as Wildeman goes, does it not help that his dad played at Iowa with Diaco? It definitely helps, and, and boy, the Hawkeyes were not... Uh, not very happy we're not, about we're not not very pleased about <laughs> about losing uh, losing a legacy, but um, <laughs> yeah. But but as as far as recruiting goes, guys, by the time July rolls around, it would not shock me if this class is largely full. Um, I mean, oh, it's anticipated incredible. to be a little bit smaller this year, uh, possibly around eighteen, nineteen individuals. However. Um, I will say there might be people that are encouraged to seek opportunities elsewhere that would um, open up some scholarships. Because I believe, in my humble opinion, when you have as much momentum as Nebraska has right now, when you've got a peer recruiter like Bookie Radley Hiles, you have to strike while the iron is hot. Sure. And this game being what it is, um, I respect each and every guy that lines up and wants to play for the University of Nebraska. However, being the competitor that I am, no matter what I'm doing, I want to win. Sure. I just that's just me. <laughs> so I when it comes to Yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. It's like some some people will sit and say, well, trying to get guys to move on, that's not the Nebraska way. No, you know what the Nebraska way is? When I when I was growing up watching Nebraska football was beating the piss out of people. That was That's Nebraska right. way. That's I remember right. when, I, when I when I got into things. I got into Nebraska, literally my my first season. When I said I'm going to sit sit down and see what this is all about with my dad was 1994. And Nebraska showed up, kicked the piss out of whoever, and left. That was the Nebraska <laughs> way. And this this is the this what Riley is preaching and doing and has the resources to do. Thank you very much. Will get Nebraska back to that point. You've got recruits talking and, and saying Nebraska is going to win a national championship by 2020. That is an actual quote. Um, the, these guys are getting fired up and what is going on here in terms of recruiting hasn't been seen since 2005 when Bill Callahan was getting everything going on. The problem is Callahan really didn't embrace Nebraska. He really culture, didn't. He obviously yeah. didn't, he didn't embrace the culture. He didn't have an, an athletic director that, was half as good as Sean Eichhorst is. Mm-hmm. But, um, and something else too, I, I kind of want to go off on a real big side note here. Nebraska is actually uh, taking some of those wonderful Big Ten monies that they they now have as a, a wonderful member, you know, having those 40, 45, 50 million dollars a year gotcha. coming in. That was fully vested Big Ten member of the Big Ten. And Nebraska will be taking down that huge Titantron on South Stadium. Don't know if you saw this. This was actually tweeted out by um, uh, Huskers.com and really Husker uh, Husker bigwig Brian Rosenthal. Okay. 
they're taking down that that big Titantron, which is 11 years old already. Oh Think about goodness. that. It's 11 years old. I was old in school when that opened. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? So that's coming down. And wow. they've already taken ground on a new... Not only is it going to be a new big screen, it's going to wrap around. <laughs> and they're they're going to have a new Jerry's house to shame. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's going to wrap around apparently and have a new ribbon board. And here's the thing. It's like you say to yourself, wow, that's got to cost a lot of money. You know, wow, it's going to, that's going to take a lot of time. No, it's supposed to be ready by fan day in August. Oh my God. Really? Nice. Holy so cow. is this going to be bigger than what uh, I think Texas A&M still has the largest screen, right? I think it's Texas. Is it te- okay? Texas beat Texas A&M. Texas I, I don't know. One of the evil schools. Yeah, whatever. Is 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 it bigger than that? I don't believe it's bigger than that, but it'll be impressive <laughs> for for a stadium with ninety thousand people at it. It'll be impressive. All so, right, Brandon. I, I, I real quick, Brandon. I, 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 I don't know if you can. Get, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Brandon, I don't know if you want to give any insight, but you think looking uh, for players leaving the university, and I know you probably don't want to give any names, but maybe you can give a little confirm. In my speculation, looking at the recruits we're after and where we're currently at on a depth chart, my my head immediately goes to some of these guys in the secondary because th- there are some guys that we recruited you know, fairly highly two to three years ago that I, I question where their home's going to be in the secondary. I mean... I don't know if you want to name any names, can you, but can you confirm if I'm on the right track of people that might be leaving? I wouldn't say the secondary. Okay. Um, I think the secondary is pretty good. I would say, and and I'm going to tell you to do your own homework on this one, because the, the way you can really figure it out, it's, it doesn't really take a whole heck of a lot. Look at the roster. You can do it on Huskers.com. Look at the roster and look at, I'm just going to say juniors upperclassmen and ask yourself where are these guys where do they fit in are they a contributor and if oh, you God. say and if you say no you know you can connect the dots okay fair enough all right so taking all this into account and this is a round robin question for everyone have your feelings changed we'll start with you brandon have your feelings changed for the upcoming season at all Good or bad? Um, no, I have. Uh, I always have pretty high, uh, not necessarily expectations, but pretty high optimism going in. But um, I have a high optimism going into this season, largely because of this staff. This staff is honestly one of the most exciting at Nebraska that I can really look back on paper and say, man. The Osborne era staff was pretty darn good. Yes, they were. And and looking at these guys, I'm like, man, these guys are hella good recruiters. <laughs> on, and I mean, you guys. Here, here's basically this is something I, I want to uh, convey when it comes to recruiting. Uh, the the um, office of Williams and Williams, <laughs> Keith, Keith and Dante. <laughs> They're about ready to close up shop because, I mean, like I said, the class is going to probably be a little bit smaller and they're just about done taking 
you know, they'll be just about done taking defensive backs and, and wide receivers here before too long. That might be able to be wrapped up by July, kind of like I was saying. Now, if that happens, they go on and do and help secondary. You know, they, they help run interference for, like, let's say, Reggie Davis with a new running back. Mm-hmm. And Dante Williams has connections all over the place, especially out in Cali. But the dude dude knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. It's just obscene. Wow. And um, basically, the way that this staff is and the way that Riley is running this now is if you can't recruit, you're done. And that's something that makes me wonder. It's very cutthroat. It's very cutthroat, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is because this is probably Riley's last ride. Mm -hmm. And I'm – because of that, I'm kind of wondering what Reggie Davis's future looks like. I'm wondering if Reggie Davis can't bring in a major stud. And I was looking at TJ Pledger, and then bam, he he was with Oklahoma. But if he could get like a awesome uh, Martin, or um, there's some other guys out there, but Martin would be a, a, a solid one. Or uh, you know, if if he can't get a, a major impact running back, because Nebraska hasn't really gotten one in a while. I mean, Trey no, Bryant sure fell into his lap. Jalen Bradley fell into his lap or was in the, in his backyard and Jalen Bradley, thankfully, uh, you know, you know, came flying out of the, the academic can, uh, cannon and was able to qualify. Um, I can't help but wonder if maybe if he can't secure anybody, maybe he's next on the chopping block, but this You're is not a the one that speculated that. Yeah, I, I know. Um, but thank you. This <laughs> thank you, thank you, Brandon. I I appreciate you so much right now. <laughs> this is this is a staff that is very professional. They have they have plan A, B, C, and D, which is something that was absolutely not seen with the last staff. Um, I don't think it was seen with the staff before that or the staff before that. I seriously have to go back to the Osborne era staff when I say, you know, they may not be as totally experienced, but at the same time, they are very talented. They know what they're doing. They're taking the advantage. Like, for example, they have a, a, a department specifically about social media, looking at prospects, social media, 24-7, 365, every tweet, every Instagram photo, every Snapchat, everything following these guys. Are they, are they you know, displaying a good attitude? Are they saying something bad? Are they, you know, and they're just looking at all this stuff. And then they've got a guy who's basically an NFL GM and Billy Devaney, you know, kind of sitting in the shadows, just kind of, you know, you know, kind of, kind of like one of those old time, uh, old timey Italian mob bosses, you know, they're kind of looking (laughs) over to, to, to Billy and they think, what do you think, Billy? And, you know, he just kind of nods his head and goes, eh. And, and 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 Billy, Billy is uh, Billy's a, a a great uh, addition. This is just a uh, and I'll, I'll end my tirade and my rant on this. As this is just a staff that is doing it. I'm going to call it the Bama way. Alabama knows how to step up and and obviously has been very successful um, using the rule book as it is written. And I think that's been something that has been very lacking. At Nebraska for several years. Yeah. Dare yeah. I say, you know, in you're, the also, decade. you're also in agreement with some of us on that as well. Yeah. So <laughs> um, that's, I'll stop there. 
Uh, what about the rest of you guys? One word answer. Yes, no. You, you hyped. You... Okay, go ahead, Justin. You know, I'm an eternal optimist, you know, but seeing this spring game and seeing that quarterback play, uh, that reinforced of all of my envisions because it was so refreshing to see a quarterback not throw at the feet of a running back, you know, in the backfield or over his head. Uh, everything that we, everything that we saw, I mean, I thought the offense was just in, in a way uh, it exceeded my expectations. So it gives me great hope. One of the things that we saw last year, I mean, if we weren't complaining about uh, the special teams, which I did a lot actually, but it was the quarterback play, right? And we finally have great quarterback play and we played this what if game. What if we had a good quarterback? Where would we be? Where would we be? We have that. And I think it's the future is going to be bright for a long time. Sky's the limit. Tyler? Um, you, you know, well, Justin is the optimist. I would consider me more the realist of the group. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I will say this. You, you know, what, what I've seen from the spring game, what I've heard out of camp, what I saw last year. Yeah, I, I think my expectations haven't changed, um, and 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 they're not sky high. I, I oh, you think you're better than me? I <laughs> I, I, I will say this: I'm I am sky joking. high. I am sky high two years from now. I think you give us two, three more years. I, I think the recruits we're getting in are, are are playing paying dividends. I like this staff. I I just I still worry about some of the overall starting talent as some of our key offensive positions. And until I see the three, four, until I see Diaco's defense at full effect and the effects, there, there's still a little bit of a burn from the last couple of years under banker of where the talent level is. And, you know, if, if high expectations are us winning the big 10 or, you know, us really competing for that, I think we're going to be a step below that this year. But, um, but no, I, I definitely am pumped for this season. I think this could be a, a definitely a better year than we've seen in the last few. So. Yeah, it could be a demarcation season. All right, so we had the optimist, we had the realist. Time to get to the pessimist. Go ahead, Derek. As always. So, okay, Justin, first off, you want to talk about the great quarterback play, and I'm going to throw this out there. It's really hard to say that we have had great quarterback play considering there was no pressure at all in that in that spring game. As far as a quarterback thrown down to the feet of a running back, let's see what happens when a defensive lineman starts getting in his face. <laughs> Tanner, Lee, Tanner Lee looked great in that game, but his problem at Tulane was when he got under pressure, the guy had 23 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. That's not great. You're and still if, and, to and, and, that nobody ever grows. I mean, whatever they did one year, they never grew out of that. No, no it's, it's, now, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. It's it's the fact that we've seen him with no pressure. So I'm not ready to crown this guy the best quarterback we've ever had. Well, Derek, if you want to talk pressure. about if you want to talk about Tanner seeing pressure, you should watch some of his tape from Tulane because he had absolutely no offensive line. He was well, being asked to do far far too much, and I understand what you're saying. The 23-21, a lot of people have said about that. Well, what does that mean? Just. <sighs> You can put a great quarterback in that situation, but when he's got absolutely no blocking, I mean, Tommy Armstrong could have been Sam Darnold last year, mm-hmm. and he's still not going to have the opportunities to do what he can do. But, uh, but, that, but I guess that's my whole thing is, like, 
right now, I have not heard or seen anything from that offensive line that makes me think he's going to have time to throw sure. back there. Sure. And, that's and about- so if he's, st- if he's still under pressure under these Big Ten defenses, is he going to be able to throw that accurately? Uh, hopefully and I think the line you guys make a point, though. I, I think you guys make good points, though. You want to see the proof in the pudding. Sure. You want to see the 3-4 defense. Absolutely. As it performs, you want to see the offensive line as it performs. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, when I make my statements, it's based on what I've seen because of those things. Now, I'm, I'm not stupid enough to think, oh, this is what I'm going to see on game day, because I know it's not. Sure. But it's just what I see from these guys in, um, in the scenarios that I've seen them in. That's all I got. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon, we will definitely default to your judgment because I think the 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 problem being uh, in our seats and not yours is there's a lot of speculation right now, and and there's you know there's definitely a lot of uh, projecting. You know, you read the stars, you read the reports, and you know that's why we definitely love having you on the show because you can uh, give us a lot more insight into. Uh, um, you know, and everyone that's listening to what, what you see day to day. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate yes. it. Yeah, we really appreciate thank you. it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad somebody much. thinks I got something off. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to do it for us here on the coast cast. Our thanks to Brandon Kavanaugh for Billy Preston for us tonight. Um, so, uh, Brandon, uh, kind of give the, uh, listeners, a uh, a, a, a glimpse of, of what's going on with you since last time we conversed. Yeah, last time we conversed, um, I was with Fansided. However, uh, we have parted mutually. I'm actually going to be um, picking up my own brand that I've had for a while now, known as Eight Laces. You mentioned it at the beginning of the show, eightlaces.com. Um, as of today, we are just kind of sh- setting up shop. Um, we are kind of ironing some stuff out. So, you know, bless this mess and pardon it in the meantime. But what it is, um, I personally, guys, when when I have the opportunity to read stuff, uh, especially on mobile, and a lot of our readers are on mobile, they're using uh, their phones to read, um, it's kind of a pain in the butt when there's a lot of ads. Sure. All right? yes. yeah. I mean, when you read a, a paragraph and there's an ad, and you read another paragraph and there's an ad, um, what I'm basing a laces on is a publicly funded site where the content is funded by the people who are reading it. Um, it is, I'm not going to call it a subscription because it's not, because I'm going to write whether, you know, anybody's anything, but basically mm-hmm. I have what's, I have a Patreon page for those, for those of you who are not familiar with what Patreon is, basically it is a, for more or less a better term is a tip jar for creatives. And, um, I do have a link to my Patreon page on, uh, eat laces if, or you can also go to Google and if you Google Patreon, eight laces it'll take you to that uh that site as well um so what my money will be going towards be going towards a site towards upkeep of uh, my computer it'll be going towards keeping the domain in my name every month um all that good stuff um so it'll all be just basically going back into the site and helping the site grow so it is how how the site grows and how quickly it grows is going to be determined by the public it's you know it's going to allow me to go from 
you know, just doing the content and whatnot that I'm doing now to do. Um, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have a pair of Arkansas State tickets donated, and we did a nice. uh, I, with with a, with a friend of mine. We did a fantasy uh, spring game draft. And uh, that's what I was telling you guys about. And we were able to give away a pair of, of tickets and, and have a lot of fun with that. Um, so I'd love to be able to do stuff like that. And, and uh, if I'm able to have kind of that tip jar grow at, at patreon.com, I believe it's just patreon.com slash any laces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that in the end will will get it, uh, get us where we want to be. And more information is going to be on that page and uh, and on the website. So Please uh, stop on, uh, on by and read about that. But 8laces.com is the place to go uh, for all of the wonderful opinions that I have to, uh, to put out there. And as far as what it's going to grow into, you can read more about that on Patreon.com. Uh, and where can our listeners uh, reach you at? Listeners can reach me at, uh, at 8 Laces on Twitter. You can also, if you're on Facebook, if you search for the page Brandon C. Sports, you'll have, see the 8 Laces uh, Facebook page, which you I always encourage you to join if you want to see um, the latest um, the latest stuff that I put out. I usually do it there first. Um, absolutely, if you want to come on, I, I always encourage people to come on to these sites and comment on, um, comment on stuff I put up. So, and also, if you need to uh, reach me via email, you you have to scream at me. Feel free to do so. Uh, eight laces at eightlaces.com. and that's all spelled out in both regards, both respects. All right. Well, thanks a lot again, uh, Brandon. Uh, you provided a lot of great information, and I'm one to get going for summer movies, but I just want to skip summer movies, go right to the fall for football because I am. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Season. All right, if you want to hit us up and visit us on our uh, Facebook page, follow us on Podbean. We're also available on iTunes, so don't forget to like us and write a review. Help us get lots of likes and lots of ratings. Email us at huskercuscast at yahoo.com for comments, questions, suggestions on topics for future episodes. Praise, more praise, or trolls to your heart's content. We'll see you next Wednesday. Go Big Red! I have the Husker power! Go Big Red!